Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Animator's Guide to Virtual Reality. I'm Rick Delichny here in Peterborough, Ontario, just east of Toronto, Canada. And just getting back from the Ontario Center of Excellence Discovery Conference here in Toronto. And this is a very, very interesting show. And I met a ton of really, really interesting people. And we'll get to our guest in just a moment. But this uh, this show is something actually really, really interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of unique to Ontario. Um, in Canada, and that it really fosters this incredible startup culture and community. Uh, from their website, it's a Discovery is Canada's leading innovation to commercialization conference. It's hosted by the Ontario Center of Excellence. And uh, if you get a chance to go on the website, ocediscovery.com, and we will um, link that up in the show notes. Really interesting. But there were two things that I was really interested in, in, in learning more about it and sort of getting a little more hands-on. The first thing is because of my experience in education and background in teaching, I was really curious to see sort of the, the back corner, the education stuff off to the side. I mean, the big glitzy stuff is really cool and interesting. Um, but uh, for me, it's it's really cool to see what the students are, are, are thinking. And there's an incredible uh, incubator culture in Ontario that is rising quickly, and if you had any doubts about the, the livelihood of, of, of uh, the startup culture in Ontario, go to this show and prepare to be blown away. So I was really blown away by that. And as far as this startup culture, of course, um, those of you that know the work that I do, I'm really, really interested in incubators, and I wanted to see what other communities in uh, Ontario are up to in terms of building um, incubators on a more regional level. Of course, we all know in the uh, Toronto area about the Mars Mars uh, area, uh, the DMZ, um, Spark Center in Durham. Um, but I'm here in Peterborough area, and we have a very interesting um, engineering uh, culture up, up here in this part of the world that not a lot of people know about. So we're building a new incubator up here that I've been very fortunate to be involved in uh, to a degree. So I was out looking for people with interesting incubator experience and sort of starting up uh, what, what we call them co-working spaces. And, okay, how does this relate to all virtual reality? <laughs> Two things. First of all, if you go to the OC site, you'll see um, a sort of the wrap-up video, and every third shot had somebody wearing uh, VR goggles. Check it out. It's actually very interesting to see. So virtual reality, virtual reality, excuse me, is very much front and center. And my guest today is Peter Wall. Now, Peter has a very varied past, but I think it's fairly safe to say that um, Peter is very intimately involved in storytelling and startups and developing co-working spaces and working, again, back back to storytelling and working on, on innovative artistic projects. I, I just found that talking with Peter was very refreshing. He's exactly the kind of person that I sought out um, in terms of having sort of the big picture. And there's one quote I got here from his bio. And Peter, I see you're on the line with us now. Just bear with me, and I'm going to read a quote. It's always hard to hear people talk sure, about you. No problem. <laughs> Peter's one of the most resourceful. This is from uh, Stuart at the uh, CBC. Uh, Peter's one of the most resourceful, entrepreneurial, and dedicated storytellers I've ever worked with. His work, from television to podcast to setting up business, is always of the highest quality and reflects his professionalism. And I got a real vibe for that, Peter. And I wanted to welcome you to the show. Hello. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was um, so we were talking. I, what an intro! Like, I, I, if, if the if the listeners are still with me, they're like, "What is this show going to be about?" And what is this about virtual reality? But it's very interesting in that you were in. Um, what was the name of the zone that you were in at this convention? I was in the Canadian Film Center zone, um, which was kind of a there was a ton of uh, VR projects. Um, 
and then we were right next to some electric cars. So that's one of the things I like about OCE is like you kind of walk five meters and then you're in a totally different world in a totally different space. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. It was really it was a cool a cool place and great to see so many interesting projects coming out of Ontario. Yeah, exactly. And you, uh, we'll just jump right in because uh, we need to bring the VR focus back in. You sure. had a demonstration. You had an Oculus set up and you had some screens set up and you had some, I'm going to call them mind sensing or brain sensing technology. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to hand it over to you. I'd like you to sure. to tell us what it is that you were demonstrating. Sure. So I uh, am one of the co-founders of a company here in Toronto called Mobio Interactive. And we are a company that works kind of at the intersection of brain health and gaming and biometrics. And one of the products that we've um, that we're prototyping is a mindfulness video game where you're an eagle uh, in the wild and you fly around um, this beautiful island, all in virtual reality. And in order to restore your health, you need to sit and meditate. And the current prototype that we were showing at OCE, there's um, some of the brain. Uh, scan technology that companies like Interaxon in Toronto and Neurosky in the United States are pioneering, which is a headset that, that basically measures your focus or your calmness level. So we've put that together with a virtual reality goggles and a pair of headphones. So you end up wearing a lot of gear. And um, and you have this experience of, of essentially being uh, becoming an eagle. Uh, and then the, the part that's kind of new and unique about it is not only is it in VR, but the the more calm you are, the better your your avatar or your eagle performs. What incredible bleeding edge technology! You've got a couple of things going on there. That yeah, are... there's a bunch of things going on. <laughs> so you got a couple of things going on that are that are uh, you know really difficult to kind of develop for right now. I would think they're kind of new, but then you're actually getting them to to work with each other. Tell me a little bit about your development team and your your your, your business partner and how this all came about. How what what made you move in this direction? Sure. Um, well, I've known my business partner since I went to journalism school. So, so when you, you mentioned a little bit about my bio, and and so I was a journalist for ten years. Then I moved to Bali. I mean, in short, if you were to sum it up, journalist ten years at the CBC, then uh, started a co-working space for. We're three, going to four, talk about that in a minute. Yeah, three four years in <laughs> Bali, and yeah. then I came back to Canada recently uh, last fall. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> Mark Thoburn, who I had gone to journalism school with. Had started this company, and he needed uh, he needed a partner. He needed someone to kind of come on and and uh, and help him move things forward. So I and I'd been following what Mark had been doing kind of from Bali, um, from overseas. I'd been kind of keeping an eye. So we teamed up, and the company has since grown from it was Mark and a developer, um, and now and then I joined, and then we now have about nine people. Um, a good portion of them are, are interns right now because it's mm-hmm. intern season. Uh, but we also have a new lead developer who's joined called Tyrone Melchiotti, who's um, who's amazing and just basically can do anything. Uh, we have a new business development person who's come on as well called Stephen Trim. So the team is is growing. Um, we're getting some momentum, which is great. Events like OCE are you know per- great exposure. We also demoed the the VR game at Hot Docs. And then we also have another uh, product, which is a, just a pure, straight mindfulness meditation app, and that's called Wildflowers Mindfulness, and we released that uh, on May 2nd on iTunes and Google Play. And so that's been been getting out to, to people. We have about uh, 4,500 downloads right now, so we're quite happy with the exposure that that's gotten. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I just going back to what you said in your opening, I, you know, how does VR fit into like what I've done and, and yeah. or how does how does you know, I think one of the interesting things about startup culture is that you touch a little bit of everything, you know? And so and when you're in a co-working space and there's a bunch of different businesses operating in that space or new biz, new businesses operating in that space, you kind of learn very quickly. There's such there's such great learning grounds. Um, and so I'm working right now out of OCAD, which is the Ontario College of Art and Design. There's an incubator here, uh, and our company is based here. And it's 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 really even since I joined in uh, October, it's it's grown, and there's just a lot of energy, and there's a lot of people, um, and so that's exciting. Um, and virtual reality is just one of those technologies right now that everyone's talking about. You know, we had a, a fellow come in yesterday um, and speak to us about marketing as part of like an ongoing learning program that they have here. And he obviously was talking about VR and how can companies use VR. And um, so it's one of those technologies that, you know, the more you know about the it, the better um, in many ways. So you had a marketing person come in that uh, was totally, totally in, all in on VR? No, there was um, – yeah, he was pretty keen on – he was definitely pretty keen on VR. He's a fellow who's connected with Mars, mm-hmm. and um, the incubator here tries to, you know, every month have a guest speaker come in and speak on something. So he came in and spoke. His name is Mark Evans, and uh, he's a storytelling kind of guy. And, yeah, for sure, he's like video, VR. I mean, these are the technologies. you got to reach where pe- people were, where they're at. And obviously VR is new, but the, the uptake um, – Everyone's expecting it to, to just continue to grow. Yeah, well, we're certainly counting on that as well at RDXYZ. And there's um, so many so many different directions you can go in when you're in an interesting incubator space or at sort of convention like this. Tell me, for folks that aren't familiar with OCE, and now I was a part, I was a, I've been involved in the startup co- uh, community here in Peterborough for a while, so I came as, as an invited guest. But you yeah. were actually a participant. So tell us a little bit about the, you know, how you got involved with this conference and, and, and what your, the, what the plan was, what you hope to get out of it, and did you get that out of it? Well, one of the great things about, you know, the, the kind of the spaces in, in Toronto is that you have an opportunity to connect with all of the other institutions that are working in Toronto. So uh, we have, through, um, through over the period of, of time, we have built a relationship with the Canadian Film Centre, and they, of course, have a relationship with OCE. Um, OCAD also has a relationship with OCE. So we were actually invited by both of those different organizations to yeah. come and, and present. Um, and again, you know, the great thing about startup culture is that people want to help you and people want to to support you and you know OCE is I I think kind of like I look at as is one of the sort of larger it's almost like the mothership organization that's really pumping innovation and startups uh, to do do things and we've actually got some OCE funding over the years to do some perfect uh, to do some research studies with with things with uh, with our meditation app so there's just seems to be lots of um, What's the right word? Cross fertilization happening, and and I think that's what the you know what the what everyone was thinking of when they started these organizations. Yeah, I think this is this was a watershed year. I think for the organization where we started to see a lot of front facing, um, customer friendly um, sort of technology uh, trickle in into where you can actually possibly see it happen in real life, and people are actually starting to spend. They're starting well, more than starting for some people, but starting to spend some actual money on this sort of thing. So it's not it's it's less of a putting money into sort of an incubation where we don't really understand, you know, we, we support it, but we 
build these businesses and what happens. But I'm seeing a lot more success stories at the at the show this year that really blew yeah. me away. Yeah. And even the fact that you've you, you you've you've shipped these number of products through your company. Actually, what was just so I got it clear? So it was it was Qualia. Or what was the name? It's, so no, Mobio it's, Interactive is the, is the company. Mobile Interactive is the company, right. and uh, and you can look on our website, mobileinteractive.com. And then right. the our first product, which is out into the world now, is Wildflowers Mindfulness. Yes. And that also has the website, uh, wildflowersmindfulness.com. And then um, and then Qualia Zen Eagle is our video game. And that's not um, available yet for public consumption, but it will be – hopefully we're trying to get a version up on Steam VR – uh, let's say in three or four weeks. There's a hardware component to it that, like, for, in terms of the brain waves. I mean, how does is that even a product that you can buy? Yeah, you that? can. Both of them are are commercially available now. Oh, okay. Um, so the the NeuroSky and the Muse they they retail for about uh two or three hundred dollars. Not too bad. Um, yeah. So you know uh, the the thing about that that kind of hardware and any kind of hardware obviously is. Um, you know, you want to make sure that there's a critical mass of people using it before you build any technology that's fully dedicated to it. So our meditation app, it's an option. If you want to, you know, track your brainwaves, you can, you can add oh, it on. I see. I see. And for the video game, it'll be an option as well. It, it doesn't, we don't want to have to have it so that it's necessary in order to have. Ideally, you know, the, the VR headsets would have some type of uh, biofeedback built into them. Um, and I'm sure that'll come someday, <laughs> but it's not quite there yet. This has got to be, you've been involved in a lot of technology through over your career. Is this scarier or harder than other technology in the past or yeah, is this kind of normal question. for you? It's a good question. Well, I, it's, it's funny because I started as a video journalist at the CBC right at the, at the edge of the, um, the move away from analog into digital. So I never learned to cut, you know, in the old parlance, tape to tape. I was one of the first non-linear editing people um, that that did it, um, and so I. So there was obviously a massive transition that, at that time, and so now I don't know. I mean, the technology now it just keeps changing faster and faster, for sure. Um, I think that the, the the exciting thing about new technologies is as humans, I think our capability to learn new technologies has never been higher. Yeah. So when we hire interns, for instance, here, I don't care if they know how to do anything because I know that they can learn really fast. <laughs> and all I care about is their attitude, attitude towards yeah. learning. Mm-hmm. So if some kid says to me, oh, you know, if they have a bit of video editing experience, great. But they can figure it out in a day or two. Like, you know, especially 18 or 19-year-old brains these days, they're so used to dealing with technology um, that it's just a matter of, you know, basically giving them a little bit of instruction and, and getting them to go. I don't know if that answered your question. No, um, actually, I think it did. I think I think it, it – it, I, 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 at least I completely understood that frame of reference where, you know, if, where I, I'm, I'm a teacher as well, and, and uh, you give the students the tools they need, or sometimes they come – with the tools already, and you're learning from them sometimes. Um, yeah, and I think I'm a big proponent of learning by doing, you know, yeah. and that's and that's the great thing about startups. Is I mean, I sound like a broken record here, but but, oh. but when you have a startup, you're just constantly learning. Everyone from mm-hmm. you know the co-founders to the first employees to uh, to even your customers. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a and and I felt that with our co-working space in in Bali I felt like I learned a ton about entrepreneurship and about working with people and, and managing teams. 
And I spent 10 years at the CBC, and I think the danger with large institutions is you get put in a box, you get told this is what your role is, uh, this is what you do, and it's really hard to get out of those boxes. And not because it's anyone's fault or because you know, you know, people are mean or whatever. It's just the nature of those large institutions to be very difficult to change. Yeah, but you know, some people, that's the way they like to work. And what I'm seeing in, in sort of my circle of influence and where I, people I work with, there is a more of a, <clears throat> it's developing this, 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 this acceptance of this shared um, culture of, of working and this, this co-working idea. And um, I'm really excited about it. And it's nice to see it taking off here in Ontario in, in I think, such mm -hmm. a big way and finally be accepted by your peers. It's, um, it, it, I'm sure when you went away and we are now, we'll shift into Bali in a moment, but yeah. you know, when you went away, there, there's sometimes a feeling of, well, when are you going to come back and get a job? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, I remember having a friend saying to me, like, um, oh, you're too young to retire. <laughs> and I tell you, I worked twice as hard in Bali running my own business than I ever did. Seems, All right. Let's, you know? let's talk about that. I'm sure everyone's curious to find out. And if anybody's listening online and on access to a computer, the, uh, the co-working space that you co-founded was called Hubud and in Bali. And tell me a little bit about how you and your family ended up there and, and sure. what this is. Sure. It's just a wonderful story. Well, uh, you know, I, I was just slagging large institutions. The great thing about large institutions <laughs> is that they have – these crazy programs sometimes that allow you to uh, take 80% of your salary over four years and then take a year off. So I signed up for one of these programs with the CBC, and we decided we were going to go to Bali for a year in 2010. And um, we we went, and uh, you know we went because it was different. It was warm. It was there was an international school there. Yeah. And very you had quickly, kids, right? How many yeah, kids my kids have? were at the time six. I had twins who were six and a twelve-year-old, right. all boys. And we put them in the school there, and we thought we were going to be there for ten months. Okay. And then the year kind of was coming to an end, and we thought, oh, we've kind of figured out how to live over here. We like traveling. You know, every kind of break, we'd go somewhere else in Asia. Um, I was getting some work as a freelancer at that point, um, and uh, we thought, oh, let's stay another year. So we stayed another year, and in, it was in the second year that I met some uh, friends and partners, and we got the idea of launching a co-working space. Because all of us were doing work um, mostly from home, sometimes from cafes. It sucked. It wasn't convenient at all. It was uh, annoying. And so we wanted a place to work. And so we ended up launching a co-working space in 2013 called Hubud, which was the first co-working space in Bali. And one of the first in Indonesia. And uh, and very quickly, and we didn't really see it coming, but very quickly we attracted this group of people that call themselves digital nomads. <laughs> and uh, or even at that time, they weren't even like calling themselves digital nomads, but they were, that's who they were. And yeah. they would, you know, they had a laptop, they would work from anywhere. Um, some of them were programmers, some of them were developers, some of them were designers. Um, a lot of them were e-commerce entrepreneurs. Remember one of the first guys... We opened in March. I remember I met a guy in April called Jacob Hiller who had written an ebook. He had played college basketball and then he wrote an ebook called How to Jump Higher. 
No, it was called the jump manual about how to jump higher because <laughs> he didn't want to get a real job. And five years later, he'd made a million dollars selling this ebook online oh my and God. Uh, had traveled to 32 countries with his wife and kid and, uh, you know, had discovered that he didn't have to actually have a real job. He could work and live anywhere. So um, a large percentage, let's say, you know, somewhere between 60 and 80 percent of our members would classify themselves as digital nomads and and people that wanted to live in uh not in a big city in a beautiful place uh that had a lower cost of living and i i don't think that that model applies only to places like bali i think it also applies to applies to we talked about this at oc to places like peterborough and places like you know um well, Whistler might not be, be a good example but places like nelson bc and okay. places which have you know great great uh great quality of life yeah and uh and good schools and interesting community and affordable housing uh i mean toronto is nuts you know it's like it's, <laughs> i walked i spent i we had an event after work yesterday and normally i bike home and i walked you know 25 minutes across the city and i could not believe the number of people on the streets it's really crowded here you know and it's really expensive and uh and i like it for most of the time but i would mm-hmm. also you know i would also love to go work in cuba for three months at a co-working space there um, so I don't know. I, I do think that the nature of work is changing and I mm. think that the, the way in which people are working is changing and we see it, uh, with, you know, millennials working in places like co-working spaces. Um, we see it in surveys where millennials say that it's not really, that they're not that concerned about how much money they make. They're more concerned about, um, their quality of life, the friends that they have, the, 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 that their work is meaningful. Um, so I think there's a big shift uh, happening and conti- that it's just going to continue to grow in the way in which people are working. I'm sure people are curious uh, if they haven't looked it up already. What's the website for Hubud? It's Hubud.org, so H-U-B-U-D.org. Perfect. And now – so I just talked to my partner last night um, mm-hmm. in Bali. I'm still a uh, a part owner, um, but I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations anymore. Sure. Um, so I have a Canadian partner who's there who's running it, and we we have about um, 300 members generally. Uh, That's incredible. Any month from from about yeah, generally about 30 or 40 different countries, so people from all over the world, and uh, and there's tons of events in the space, and uh, yeah, if anyone ever wants to go check it out, they, I would super encourage them to. And they even have a, a soft landing package now, so they'll pick you up at the airport, give you a SIM card, drive you to a place to stay for a month or a week or whatever you want. Um, Are you kidding me? No, no. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's all on the website. So, I and actually, it's interesting you say that because the website is uh, very, very well maintained, and there, as you touched on, there are a lot of activities going on. I think it really set. I think it's in many ways it set the standard for um, how how to do it. I mean, there certainly are are, are co-share spaces in every large city, but to do something regional like that, um, that's kind of off the grid, kind of. Yeah, it is, well, but it you know, isn't. I mean, what that's happened really with us? High standard, yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks, Rick. I mean, what happened with us was we ended up attracting people. And I remember, like uh, a year after we opened, having a conversation with someone in Ubud, and they said, "Look, the main thing that has changed uh, in this town over the last year is that Ubud opened, and now people have realized that they can. They don't have to go on holiday to Bali. They can come and live and work in Bali." And um, and I think that people are going to realize that in lots of different places. I don't think it's just Bali. I mean, I have a natural affinity to Bali. It's it's pretty cool. Ubud, where Ubud is located, has tons of yoga, has great restaurants, has beautiful rice patties surrounding it. There's lots of upsides to it. 
Um, but there's lots of upsides to lots of different places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we had looked actually last summer at expanding to Mexico, to expanding to maybe one day Cuba. I mean, Cuba is a bit tricky to, to do business in, but um, to other places in the world where people want to go. And, and there's not just Hubud. There's other co-working spaces that are already doing this. Um, there's a place called Surf Office in the Canary Islands. Um, that is, uh, that, that's open there. I think they have one in Portugal now too. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the, as we touched on earlier, the culture is more accepting of it now. You don't have to go away to hide to get out of your basement. You're actually going to work and it's, it's yeah. accepted now. And, uh, meeting, meeting clients there is, 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 is a real revelation for someone who, I mean, myself, I've been kind of working on a freelance capacity under the radar for almost 30 years and, uh, it's it's a bit strange for me to think about the idea about these co-working spaces shared everything, but what a revelation for me having done the coffee shop thing. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, so I'm really excited about that. Hey, listen, but if I could bring this, if, if I'll bring it back to this, and then maybe we could, maybe we could touch on it before we yeah. end. But bringing it back to to virtual reality, I mean, what's what's on the agenda right now? I mean, what's what's in the future for you and your team, or or you personally? What how do you see this moving forward? So with VR, <clears throat> excuse me, with VR, I think. Um, you know, the challenge for us is to really try to design an experience that allows people to combine gaming and meditation mm-hmm. so that um, so that when you finish playing a game, you don't feel exhausted, you don't feel stressed, um, you've had uh, a, an enjoyable, intense experience, but you're also improving your body and improving your mind. Um, so that's, I think, the goal for our company, and that's, you know, that was the 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 goal with the initial prototype. I think, I think VR has some has some challenges around motion sickness. I mean, I don't know if you had any you know experience with this, but um, yeah, sure. We 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 did a cert. We had 325 people play our game between hot dogs and OCE, and we did a, a survey monkey after each and every one of them played. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a high percentage of people that felt motion sick. Now, some of them, if you look through the comments, some of them said, felt felt some queasiness in my stomach, but it was enjoyable. I kind of liked it, like when you're on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people just had to take the headset off because they found it too much. So, so that's, I think, a challenge for us is like, if we are going to have enjoyable experiences in VR, how do we, that are involved movement, how do we solve the, the motion sickness problem? Uh, and it might not. It might be just one of those things where twenty percent, or ten percent, or thirty percent of of the population just can't have just gets motion sick. Yeah. And there's, uh, although I have seen some research that if you add a fake nose into the the shot, uh, in other words, in as if you can see part of your nose, then that gives some something. Isn't that that was exactly my to. question? Like in your with your research, have have you found anything, any way to mitigate that problem? That is so. I've actually never heard that before. That's yeah, so well, two things I think. One is the fake nose, which yeah. we haven't experiment, experimented with, but we I've certainly read about. And the second thing is, I feel like if you're in a controlled environment, mm-hmm. in other words, not a busy room. Mm-hmm. People feel safer and are more able to enter the experience and ex- get less sick. Okay. So if you do VR in a typical conference environment where there's other people around and there's people watching you, and it can you can a lot of people feel claustrophobic because they they can't see who's looking at them. So it's almost like they have a blindfold on. Well, I'll certainly share a little experience from what we're, our research at RDXYZ is uh, we've decided to partner with Sony in terms of the Sony PlayStation VR. Yeah. For that. For that reason, primarily, we felt as if virtual reality can be enjoyed a lot more and the quality of the experience is higher 
in a comfortable environment. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, the, the console the console approach generally, not just with PlayStation, but PlayStation in particular with their store, it's just it's built around the living room experience. And we right. have in our research, we have found the exact same thing. Um, you put, put someone uh, in a trade show, you put on a, this helmet. There's noise. There's interaction. There's somebody somebody standing next to you making a loud noise that's really taking away from the experience, and you're having almost two experiences at the same time, yeah. the real yeah. and, the, and the virtual. Whereas um, in your living room, we are banking on where we're seeing the – I think the people will enjoy themselves a little bit more, and the quality of the experience is going to yeah. go up. So I, I back yeah, that up. I would agree. I mean it's going to be – it's hard to imagine, and maybe it's just a lack of imagination, but it's hard to imagine a future where you get onto the subway – and fifty percent of the people have the are wearing VR headsets no. like gonna, on the your, way home. Your backpack will be stolen, and then that'll be the end of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Seriously. laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I uh, I can't take credit for that one. That was a. Uh, that was uh, one of our previous guests on the show was oh, <laughs> nice. just lamenting that, but it made me think. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I know you are very, very busy, and I am so happy that I was able to squirrel away some time. But I have to let you go. But. I was wondering, Peter, if can I can I get you back on the show? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Look, I'd love to be back on the show. Um, maybe when when our our product is up on uh, on um, on uh, somewhere, some that's available, whether it's Steam <laughs> or whether it's uh, Gear VR, whatever, whatever store we end up. I mean, this is the other thing about the VR space right now is that the ecosystem is so immature. You know, it's hard to even determine on a business plan where you're going to put your your product that is why we aligned again with sony I, we just felt as if the sony store was a little more mature in terms right. of distribution but again yeah. it's really really uh, nobody exactly knows for sure so i completely yeah. appreciate that how would people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your work here sure um they can uh, email me i'm happy to, to chat anytime with anyone uh my email is peter at mobiointeractive.com so Mobio is M-O-B-I-O interactive.com. Uh, and then my Twitter handle is Peter G. Wall. And uh, yeah, that's the easiest way. Yeah, Twitter is where a lot of people like to communicate this way. So I'm sure you're going to get some quality followers after the show. Awesome. And uh, everyone, if you have any questions for me, it's uh, rdolishny, R-D-O-L-I-S-H-N-Y on Twitter or R-D-X-Y-Z, A-R-D-E-E-X-Y-Z also on Twitter. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And Peter, thank you. And uh, thanks to your partners for uh, all the support that you gave me at the show, at the OCE show. I'm going to have links to everything that we talked about right. today in the, in the show notes. And to all our listeners, thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>